still please in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll be there in just a minute. The title of this message today is Put Off Sin. We've been talking about habits and consciences, and nobody can say, I mean, I've heard, I've heard Christians who were regular attenders in church saying, well, I've got a temper, I've always had one, and I guess I'll always have one. Well, you won't if you'll let God take it away from you because as soon as he found you and found out you had a temper, he was in the business trying to get it away from you because people can't have a ministry for Jesus Christ when they're blowing up all the time. So you had a, you made, you created a habit to have a temper. And so that shows you can create a habit. So when he asked you to create a habit and to live for me, you can't say I can't do it because you've already done it for the devil several times. And so you can still do it for the Lord. It says in Hebrews 5.14, we looked at it last week, I just want to review it with you. It defines in that verse that a mature believer is someone who has by habit trained themselves or their senses to know right from wrong as God sees right and wrong. That's the problem we've got. Everybody thinks they know right from wrong, but they don't know whether God backs them up or not. My right from wrong, my right and my wrong has got to be God's right and God's wrong or it's not right or wrong. That's the way I see it. I don't have room enough for an opinion. I've got to do what God tells me to do. And the way he sees something is the way I've got to see it. Now it talked about training our senses. Well, you know, we think about the senses in touch and taste and smell and, and uh, 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 hear and see. Those are five of our senses, but the senses he's talking about here also is the sense of conscience and the sense of our mind and the sense of our spirit, that our spirit would be able to look at a subject and say, this is the right side and this is the wrong side. And then after figuring out what is right, God commands through Jesus when he said, if a man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. What that says is, I can't do it my way. If I've got a plan, my plan's got to go because I've got to do things with God's plan, not mine. And we'll see, I think, as we look at this, what that, some of that's all about. But I wanted to make this comment because it's, to me, as a preacher, and listening to sermons, and I've listened to a million of them, I guess, over my life, but a lot of preachers leave us as babies in Christ, we start out as babies, but we're supposed to grow up. We're supposed to become mature. And to be mature is just the definition I read. 
that having our senses trained by habit, we automatically know what's right and wrong. God says to be spiritual, you need to brag that you know and understand me. And that's our job, is to know and understand our God. But like I said, a lot of preachers don't go far enough to tell people what God has required out of them. And they sit in church every Sunday and nobody ever tells them. When I was born again, nobody told me about sanctification. Nobody told me that the minute that I believed in Jesus Christ that God would start to work on me to clean me up from one end to the other. He had a plan for me. Nobody told me that. And we need to give people new Christians that salvation is free. It did not cost us one dime. All we got to do is believe in Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on the cross for our sins and that he rose on the third day and now sits on a throne alongside of God's right, side, right hand side taking care of us. We believe that for nothing. But to become like Jesus, you can't do that for nothing. You've got to put out effort to do that. The things that you get rewards for are by changing your mind, changing your behavior, changing what you do to be like Jesus Christ. So in Ephesians, Chapter 4 and verse 21. If so be that ye have heard Jesus, heard him, so learned of him, you heard him, have him been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Whatever he teaches you will be true. You can always count on that that ye put off concerning the old, the former conversation, or I've got written in my Bible, conduct or behavior. That ye put off concerning your former behavior of the old man. We had an old man before we were saved. We had an old heart. Now after we're saved, we're a new creature, he said. We are a new man and we've got a new heart, one that will allow us to follow Jesus Christ. The old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. What does that mean? When we were the old man, before we were born again, we did what we wanted to. And so many folks nowadays claim to be Christ children claim to be brothers and sisters of Christ, claim to be Christians, claim to be born again, and they still act just like they did before they were saved. That don't work. So he says, put off the old man that you were before Jesus came into your life and put on the new man because the old man did what he wanted to do and thought that that was satisfying Christ, and it's not. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and I've got written in my, my Bible, each day 
So we've got to, he says, take up your cross daily. So every day we've got to change our mind and believe like Jesus. And that ye put on. Now look, this thing, whole thing of becoming like Jesus wants to is a thing of putting off and putting on. Now there's something I had to learn. I can't put it off and I can't put it on. That's Jesus' job. Through the Holy Spirit that lives within me. He tells me what I got to put off and what I got to put on. If I utter a word that's not like it's supposed to be, I get this caution sign thrown in my mind and the Holy Spirit says, you ought not have said that. So I can't put it on and I can't put it off. But I can allow Christ to do that through the Holy Spirit that's inside of me. So I can be, 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 be complicit with Christ and what he's trying to do with me, I can allow him to make something out of me. So how do we then train our senses to know the difference between right and wrong? How do we go about doing that? And it also has to do with your reputation because we're going to see here just how much people around us are in this thing that God is telling us to do. It's not just about us. It's about those people who are around us who watch us and listen to us and think about us and are led by us sometimes. And how others see us. Because that's what he's talking about here. If you'll look, we'll, we'll see it. What he's talking about is the value you have as a child of God is by what other people see you as. What are you? How do you act? They see your car parked in front of the church. They know you know something they don't know. So maybe the way you act is the way they ought to act. That's the way people see that. So look at verse 24. And that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now you've got a new heart, not like your old heart. And it allows you to, to be obedient to Jesus Christ. God would not ask you to put on stuff and put, take off stuff if it wasn't possible to do. But you can't do it without him. But with him, Jesus said all things are possible. Wherefore, putting away lying. Now he's beginning to get personal with us. Somebody said he's beginning to meddle now. Well, he's calling out your sins, what they happen to be. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. See, he says that. Now, how do you call a fellow a liar? Have you ever thought about it? You know some people that probably you say, your opinion of them, well, well, what do you truly think about him? Well, you know, he seems like he's a pretty good guy, but you know, he will tell a lie now. He just do that. How do you know that? Because you've heard him. You've seen him. You've seen him not be too careful about the truth, and you've seen him doesn't seem to matter to him if he tells a lie, and if the lie brings about something that hurts somebody, he doesn't go and try to straighten it out. 
Now look, a liar don't lie. Every word comes out of his mouth. He just lies sometimes, mainly when it's convenient or when it might be something that would hurt him. So putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. So all of a sudden, you've developed a reputation as a Christian. And your neighbor is listening to you. And he's listening to see whether you're careful about saying the truth. And if you're always talking real fast and not thinking about things, he'll wonder if some of that stuff's not a lie. And there's some folks like to try to sell you stuff. I mean, I'm famous for catching them. I mean, I, I, so many people in business nowadays, they, they make the comment, well, that's just the way it's done in business. Not according to Jesus, it's not. So if what they're saying is okay if I lie in business. No, it's not. Not as a Christian, you can't. It's the same thing for you to lie as it is the fellow that don't belong to. And when we lie, we bring about a reputation on ourselves. It's like Daddy said one time about picking up a quarter off somebody's coffee table. Boy, don't never pick up a, a quarter off somebody's coffee table, even a nickel. He said, they're not going to embarrass you by saying something, but if you pick up that nickel and put it in your pocket when you visited in their house, they won't say anything to embarrass you at that moment because it's just a nickel or it's just a quarter. But you know when they lose $20, you know the first person they think about? They think about you. Why is that? Because you don't establish yourself as a thief. It's just about the amount now. If you'll steal a dime, you may steal a 20 or a 100 or anything else. So like I say, it's your reputation that Paul is talking about here in speaking to the Ephesians. For we're members of the, uh, one of the other. Now look at verse 26. Here's another issue about us that we need to put off and put on. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now you see what Paul is saying here? He's saying anger's not sin. People are going to get angry. We're going to get angry. And as we're new Christians and haven't learned to control our tempers yet, maybe we'll probably get angry more than we will later on. But hopefully as we go along, we'll get angry less and less and less. But you see what he's saying? It's an evening psalm that David has back in the psalm. And the evening psalm says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Before you go to bed, you straighten it out. Don't let it lay. You offended somebody today. You hurt somebody today. Before you go to bed, try to fix it. Try to fix it. You can wake up the next morning without anything on your mind. Your conscience won't be bothering you, and you won't get sick from having guilt. So what he's talking about here is you're going to get mad. It's going to happen a lot or a little. But don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Take care of it before you go to bed. And neither give place to the devil. Give place to the devil. I didn't quite understand that. What it means is inviting Satan into your house, into your life, into your behavior. Well, how do I go about doing that? until I heard about the missionary working with the youth gangs in Houston. And there was a young Mexican boy there that had a demon in him. He was demon-possessed. And this missionary got to talking with that demon. 
And he asked the demon, how did you come to go in, into this boy's heart? He said, I rode in on sin. How do you invite Satan into your house, into your life, into your own heart? You do it by choosing to sin when you know better. Well, I know that's wrong, but i just tell you the truth. I'm going to do that anyhow. Well, you better be careful about doing that kind of stuff because when you sin on purpose, you're inviting Satan to sit down just as close to you as he can. So don't give place to Satan. Don't give him opportunity. Now look at verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. When is a thief not a thief? Is it when he's not stealing? No. If he's still subject to steal, if he's going to steal next week, he's still a thief, right? A thief is not stealing 24-7. It's just when he has opportunities when he steals stuff. So how then does a thief quit becoming a thief? Look what he says. He even gives you the way out. But rather let him labor. Let him get a job and go to work working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. So what does it say? How do you get rid of your reputation as a thief? Well, you know yourself. There are some characteristics that thieves have. They sneaky. A thief's got to be a liar because if you ask him, did you steal what I had? he say no. So he's got to lie to be a thief. He's not going to tell you the truth. So how do you quit? How do you get rid of a reputation of being a thief? You take on the reputation of being somebody that gives his money to other people. If you're constantly helping somebody in need, after a while, the people around you start noticing that and when somebody says, you reckon old so-and-so might have stole that from me? He said, no, man, he's just not the kind of person that does that. I mean, I've seen him a hundred times give money away to somebody that needed it. Thieves just don't do that. So how do you get rid of the idea that you're a thief? You take on the reputation of somebody that a thief wouldn't have. That's the way you do it. Now, in this life and in this world, I don't care who you are, somebody's going to accuse you of something. They just do that. And I've had to, the thing done to me several times. And sometimes they accuse you of doing something bad, really bad, and you know you hadn't done it. But somebody said, well, what do you do about it? Well, to start with, you used to get mad. That's what sinners do. But I learned something. You can't live your life according to somebody else's opinion. And somebody's going to run you down and you've got to leave it alone. And somebody said, well, what do you do about it when somebody accuses you like that? You just make sure that what they say is not true. That's what you do. You live a life to where that when people hear them say that, they aren't going to believe it about you. That's what Christ is trying to show us here with Paul writing this letter to the Ephesians. You put off that old stuff. 
the old man, the stuff that you used to do before you were saved, and you put on new stuff, and you create a reputation with that new stuff so nobody won't think you do that other stuff. And you get a good reputation in the community. And that's worth an awful lot, folks. It really is. So if you start giving, working hard, and people see you working hard, and then people see you taking your hard-earned money and giving it to somebody else, helping somebody else with it, it's going to be hard for them to believe you'd be out stealing. Because thieves just don't do that. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now I was taught as a young person that that's cussing. That's not cussing. Doesn't have anything to do with cussing. What does it say? Corrupt communication? That word or that phrase, corrupt communication, is running somebody down. Ain't got nothing to do with a cuss word. What we call today using profanity is not in that verse. Corrupt communication is talking bad about somebody, ruining somebody's reputation. That's what it's saying. It says, don't run down somebody else, but build him up. Edify him. Talk good about him, if you can. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers, that you might influence somebody to the good instead of running somebody down. Now let me say this. Church people have taken that out of context. They say, well, you know, he'll talk about, I mean, he, he'll tell you something bad about somebody if you ask him. Yes, I will. And I believe God wants me to tell the truth. Now, there's one thing about running somebody down just off trying to hurt him, and there's something about telling the truth about somebody's reputation. If you have created a bad reputation and you ask me, I'm fixing to do business with him. Would you recommend it? No, I can't recommend him. Why? Well, he's got a bad reputation. Oh, you know, you ought not to say that about him. Let me tell you about two things it says in scriptures. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Receive not an accusation against an elder except in the presence of two or three witnesses. They're talking about a preacher here or an elder in a church, a man who holds a leadership position in a church. Do not accept somebody's accusation bad about him except in the presence of two or three witnesses. Make sure two or three people are getting together and say, yes, he has done this because we've seen him. What is the next thing it says once you've found that kind of sin in a preacher or a church leader? Tell everybody. Tell before all so that other preachers might see and hear and fear. And when preachers mess up in our business, I have seen it right here in this community that a church less than 10 miles down the road will hire a preacher that the last one just run off that the last church he had run off because he stole all their money and a church within the rock throwing distance just about will hire him 
and never ask nobody, never get told that he's that kind of a person. For some reason, we think that God doesn't like it if we tell the truth, the truth about a preacher or a church leader. But we're supposed to. Matthew chapter 18 says, If a brother offends thee, you go to that brother and tell that brother, You've offended me. If he won't listen to you, then you get two or three witnesses to go with you that they may certify what he says. And when he puts all three of you down, you go back and tell it to the whole church. And if the whole church, knowing what this church member is doing, and he won't quit it, it says to tell everybody, tell the church and tell everybody so they'll know better than to get caught by the same one. We don't do that. From one church to another, we don't do that. I had a fellow ask me less than a year ago, you mean the man's preaching again? I said, yes. He says, well, don't the Baptist, it was a Baptist preacher, he's talking about, said, don't the Baptist have a way of making a notation on that guy so he won't go to another Baptist church and get a job? I said, no, he just moves down the road a couple hundred miles so they don't know about it. That's not what our Bible says that we're to do. So there are instances when we do say something about somebody if it's true about their reputation when God has called us to do it. I'm not going to let you get stuck by somebody that I know has already stuck other people. If you call me for a reputation, I'm not going to say any more than I have to, but I'm going to tell you you'd be better off not dealing with that person. That's what God expects of us. I believe it with all my heart. But we don't act that way in the church. We try to hide what the very leadership in our churches are doing. Look at verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now this is the end of his little list of things that the old man, that people who are not born again do on a regular basis, but us who are Christians are not supposed to do. Now, you know, we've talked about the, the Lord's Supper, about judging yourself and stop doing the things that God doesn't like because God punishes us taking the Lord's Supper with unforgiven sin on our conscience by making us sick and killing some of us. That's Bible. That's the way it is. So what we do, we look at ourselves and we try to comply with Jesus and the Holy Spirit as they're trying to get rid of those old problems we got. Because if we form the bad habit, we can form a good habit. You can't say, well, I don't know whether I can do that or not. Oh, yeah, you can because you did the other. And what God wants us, is, he said, be quick to give a reason for the hope that you've got for everybody that asks you. So what we do, we try to build up each other. We try not to say anything untrue about each other. 
we take away lying and being angry without asking forgiveness of the person we, were, we sinned against and also God because we sin against him every time we do anything bad. And we're talking about stealing and we're talking about running down other people. It says in our Bible that the Holy Spirit marks us and that word is used as the same word that was used in that day for putting a brand on a cow. God brands us with the Holy Spirit. He puts his mark on us. So the Holy Spirit has listened to you confess that you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and that means you've become a Christian and the Holy Spirit is now living inside of you to guide you and show you what to do. And so the Holy Spirit marks you so other Christians can recognize who you are. They know who you are. They watch your behavior and your conduct and see. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit by doing something the old man would have done and a Christian's not supposed to do now. The Holy Spirit is inside of me trying to clean me up and I don't need to get out here and embarrass him and make him sad by doing something that I know Jesus would not approve of me doing. So he says, don't embarrass or make sad the Holy Spirit by doing something you know better than to do. What it's saying here, if you'll notice each one of these instances, it's not enough to take away the old habit. You can quit stealing, and nobody might not even know that you've quit stealing. I hadn't heard about him taking anything in a long time. But you've got to put on something else to cover up what you used to be so they'll have a good opinion about you now. You quit lying. Start getting concerned about the truth. And they'll see, no, he's not lying anymore. I remember when he used to be lying, but he's not now. And I remember when he used to steal, but he don't steal anymore. I mean, man, do you know that he gave so-and-so and so to somebody down the road the other day? Thieves just don't do that. So what you got to do with the bad side of you, you got to put on the good side good enough to where people recognize that you don't do that anymore. So a good reputation covers up what we used to be. And that's what we have to do. Not just put off the sin, but put on a new way, a Christ-like way that will keep folks from thinking that we have a reputation for doing something bad. That's what he's talking about here. We're members one of another. He's talking about other Christians and the attitude they have about what you do. So we don't just quit things that we shouldn't do. We start doing things that we should do in a public way so that the people around us who will repeat our reputation won't believe that we would do that bad stuff anymore. It's a two-part process. You put off, but then you've got to put on. If you don't, somebody might not recognize that you've put it off.
You need to be known for that good thing, not for the bad thing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for not only listing the things that we would do as an old man with an old heart, but by giving us solutions on how to go about putting on a good reputation. Let our good reputation cover up that old reputation we used to have. Because if we think about it, that is the way you get glory. By us becoming something that we used to not be because of you. Then Lord, make us very responsible when people comment, well, you don't really act like you did used to, do, used to do, and we have to give you the credit, Lord. That's because of Jesus in my heart. He won't let me do those things anymore. So, Lord, thank you for showing us and for giving us not only the admonition about quitting bad things, but giving us a way to get out of it and develop a good reputation that you might get the credit for being our God. A good thing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.